Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to another episode of The Black Fantasy with me, Robert. With me, Pete. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Hold on a second. I'm back. The best half the fans is back. It's been a while. It is so disrespectful that you're going to do yourself. No, I forgot. I'm sorry, guys. I didn't give, give, give you guys a proper reintroduction to me. Like, I know you're ex- how you're as excited as I am right now. So please forgive me. You know? if, if it was any other day, I'd say, PR, stop the recording. Let's do it again. But you mm. know what? Let's keep it in. Because we keep yeah. it raw. Uncut. Unless you cut something. Yeah. <laughs> then you'll never know. <laughs> but yeah, no Moses today. Um, he is being a father. Being <laughs> a father Peter, and a but... husband. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. And so he will not be joining us today, but in his place, someone a lot easier on the eyes and it is my wife Andrea. Say hello to the people. Good. Well, morning, evening, afternoon. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, everyone. That's right. We've, we've clearly overcompensated for our Moses' absence. We've uh, filled the position and then so much more. <laughs> Right. Y'all too kind. We're also, we're also providing the buffer for the presence of Robert. So, yeah, you're, you're, you're doing a lot. You're doing a lot. You know, the hate will always come, but you know, as a disciple of Jesus, you have to be ready for the hate that comes your way. And I'm ready for I it. am. I, I am. To embrace it. <laughs> oh, okay. But anyway, um, uh, welcome back. Welcome back, by the way. Welcome you. back. Yeah, yeah. We've, we've been in Ghana for the past few weeks. Mm. We're ready to be back and to rock and roll. Mm. It must be it must be nice, sort of. Well, I think Dre, you mentioned it's rainy season in Ghana, so it probably wasn't yeah. as hot. But it must be nice to not have that much of a shift in temperature. Exactly. Yeah. I was very happy about that. In fact, it's hotter here than it is in Ghana right now. That's a that's a sentence you don't hear all day. <laughs> but good, good, good. Welcome back. Oh, cool. Should we do one for one for ones? Sorry, not sorries. Okay. I've actually got one for both of you, I think. Oh, no. Oh, wow. Yeah. What, separate or together? No, separate. Not that I'm going to try and separate you. Uh-huh. Right, no, cool. separate, separate, separate questions. Now go for it then. So, uh, Robert, I'll go with you first. Okay. Oh, sorry. It looked like you had frozen. <laughs> um, is swearing a sin? So, so by swearing, I mean, you know, Cuss words, curse words, effing and blinding, yes, sir. Yeah, because the, uh, the Bible says that, um, what's, what's that verse? I've got the scriptures in Ephesians chapter four. Yeah, um, it's like salt water and pure water can't come out of the same fountain. Oh, no, that's not, that, that's in James, I think. <laughs> no, is that James? I think so, yeah. I feel like it's in Proverbs. Also Proverbs. Maybe. Um... Yeah, swearing is not good. Anywhere? <laughs> You're vegan. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Father, forgive I us. I like that. I think it's in context. It <laughs> All of it? Admissible. Okay. Peter, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I, personally... I feel like in certain contexts, it's allowable, but overall, it is not a good thing to do. How, how do you mean allowable, but not a good thing? It is or isn't? 
No. So if you're doing, so I feel like if like maybe your job is acting or something, and as okay. a swear word and the thing, you say the swear word. It's like how in, in these films, why why people have been able to get away with using the n word because oh, just the film. <laughs> That's what the white white director put in the film mm. <laughs> for the white person to say. <laughs> <laughs> Looking at quite a Tarantino. <laughs> oh my god! But yeah, and. Yeah, so I think there are some, some circumstances where, like that, where it's okay. I'm, I'm literally just going to the verse because I want to find the, um, what the Hebrew word. Well, it's James 3, James 3, 14. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's what Bobby was talking about, about yeah. um, the tongue being like a redort and whatever. No, 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 that, 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 that wasn't the verse I was talking about. Well, you're, you're saying uh, can salt water and fresh water come out of the same spring? That's yes, in that's... James three as well. James, oh, yeah. that's, is that James? Yeah. yeah, that's James three. I think twelve. I found. Uh, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Oh, did I close it? And then there's like a verse in Ephesians where it says, "Let no corrupt communication proceed from your mouth. Mm. Only that which." Only that which is edifying and gives grace to the hearer. And then there are, there's another verse that speaks about um, foul language, coarse jesting. Um, so I think those, with those passages, we can imply that it ain't good. Mm. It's not pleasing. It's not edifying. Hmm. Interesting, interesting. Why do you have a different take on it? <laughs> Not necessarily. I've been thinking about it because I've just been thinking about outside of, well, not even outside of, there's the group of people who that's just their vocabulary in the same way as I'll say y'all or something like that. Like, mm. you know, it, it's it's just part of their, it's just part of their diction. It's just part of how they talk. Um, and I think- I, I would counter that by saying that- mm it's part of the addiction until it's not. So like, I'm sure for most people, if they're going to an interview, they wouldn't, they, they wouldn't swear because they know that swearing is not good in such context. Well, that's the thing. I'm talking about people who would find it difficult to even not do that because it's just how they talk and it's just mm-hmm. every other word is effing. And it's not said with any sort of malicious intent. It's yeah. said almost without conscience. because Especially it's... the S word. Yeah, you know. So it's, like, uh, so it's used like an adverb. Is it adverb? Yeah, like a or like a thinking word. Yeah, essentially. Like, I remember. like um or um. Yeah, um. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like like literally without content, without conscience. And I, I wonder if I don't know if I class that as sin because that more to me is quite literally um, the nurturing and the community and and the the how they've been brought up more so than anything else. Um, but then I was also thinking of where it's much more intentional, where sometimes the situation warrants it. Um, I think I was listening to a poem and uh, the guy was talking about a kid that uh, had cancer and was sort of in, uh, I forget the name of the place, you know, where you go to essentially die, where you're just waiting to die. Um, and, and it's a kid there. And awesome. what was it? Is it, yeah, hospice. Well, it was in a hospital. <laughs> we'll talk about purgatory. 
No, not fair kissing. <laughs> <That's your answer. laughs> it was it was in a hospital. Um, but yeah, no, he he just he said he said something. There was something. I think he asked the guy about if he believes in angels. The kid asked the poet about if he believes in angels, hmm. and he couldn't muster the courage to tell the kid that he didn't because he's an atheist. And it was something around that, and the kid said the F word, but he described it as the kid almost having the rights to say it just by virtue of the situation he's in as a kid with cancer, in pain, dying. And that had almost forced him to mature in a way and had almost warranted use of that word. And I think of people that get hurt or people that get shot and it, that word or, or curse, curse words come out. And I wonder if in those instances they are, sinning because in essence just because it's not necessarily easily part of my vocabulary i would go snap or i would go i don't know i shout you know Mm. it's it's the same sentiment Mm. just i don't have the unconscious vocabulary because i learned english classically you know in school and you know you you know swearing ghana because it's not part of it well i you didn't when i was when i was younger um and so I, I was just, I've just been thinking about that a lot, which is why I asked the question. So would, um, so would you say that if, so, so like you were talking about a, po- a, a poet, if the poet was a Christian and they were doing a Christian poem, do you think that there's ever a time when it's okay for them to swear on their poems? I, I guess this is what, this is what I'm struggling with. And I think, I think if it serves to, especially where, you know, sometimes you're trying to describe an emotion or you're trying to really bring someone into the picture and that's the honesty of it. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think I'd be offended anymore. And I'm not even offended as I'm not, I've never was offended. It's just jarring. Like when I hear it in conversation, mm. it's just jarring. It's just, oh, you know, it's sort of like, it's especially if it's like, oh, a lot. And it's like, oh, okay, mm-hmm. that's a lot. Um, <laughs> so I wouldn't be offended as much as I would be. Uh, and, and again, it depends on how they do it. But yeah, I think, I think, I think there's instances where it would be. I think acceptable to me now. Makes sense. Cool. That's interesting. Yeah, I just thought about it. But no, that's a good verse. Um, I went to look at the original uh, Greek word you use um, and even the description, apart from it being a curse, as in like a, oh, you know, cursing you to die or something, there's another couple of words that I need to look into a bit more to see if it's just referring to sort of foul speech, as it were. And then again, what is foul speech? As some people consider Jesus Christ a swear word. So, what does that mean? What does that mean? Mm. Yeah. Mm. But I'm happy. I'm happy with the answer. Cool. Andrea. Yes. To you. Yes. Someone comes to church. I say this because you have a very evangelistic heart. Um, you bring someone to church, or you 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 know you go on outreach as you do, or you live your life and that causes people to want to come to church as you do because <laughs> you're a G um, and that person wants to be or that person has their preferred pronouns okay. that don't necessarily match their biology. Yeah. What do you think the church should do? Should we refer to them by their preferred pronouns or should we refer to them by the gender that God has assigned them? That's such a good question. And I had recently watched a documentary. I don't know if you've seen it. What is a woman? 
I've and seen that, clips of it. Yeah, and that that really um challenged me. But prior to watching that, I don't know where I stand now because I haven't. So at my workplace, we have to not. Yeah, so a lot of people come in, and there's been a lot of pronoun changes or pronoun preferences. Um, that we've got to acknowledge like we even need to share what pronouns we go by mm. and somebody coming into the church and saying that these are the pronouns that they prefer and they've never stepped into a church before they don't know christian standards neither are they christian mm. i think it would be i don't know how loving it would be for me to resist calling them by their preferred pronouns without me explaining why I am doing what I'm doing or giving the disclaimer that I'm not completely comfortable because I'm not convinced that you are who you say you are, Mm -hmm. but I can call you by your name. Mm -hmm. Um, And then that is both comfortable. That's comfortable for the both of us. Mm -hmm. I'm not, your name is your name, so I'll call you by your name. Mm. Um, and if you want to be he, she, he, her, however you do, he, him, she, her, then you can do that. Like, and I'm actually struggling with that at work at the moment because these are people that genuinely have these and they feel free now that they can um share that. Oh, I now identify as a female but and some are clearly males mm. um, but if someone comes into church they've seen something that they like um but I think discipling would help with that to be honest mm. um discipleship I don't even I feel like I'm going around in circles with the oh, question no um, I think you're thinking it through as you say as yeah as well. And I think that's welcome. Um, so will I address them by their preferred pronouns? Probably not. Mm. But I may slip up and do it. Mm. Um, and I may slip up and do the correct pronoun as well. But I will not make a point mm. of if they prefer she, her, I will not make it a point in church. Well, you're him. So I'm going to say, hey, buddy, bro, come of it. Like, that's mm. not loving, in my mm. opinion. Mm. Um, but it's still, it's funny that you asked me this question because this is an area that I'm still trying to work through whilst walking in the love of Jesus, but still standing and staying by the standards of Christ and the Bible. Because mm. um, even like at work, sorry, this is not a counseling session. <laughs> but, <laughs> sorry, I'm like touching my head and I'm about to go in. <laughs> but that's my response, long short, that I would give a disclaimer and then call them by their name. Mm. No, fair enough. What would you do? I think, as you said, I wouldn't make a point of 
debating the facts, you know, and I probably would be very careful to structure all my sentences to avoid yes. <laughs> having to do so. Um, but, you know, if, if it's come as you are, come with all of this nonsense that you want to come with, you know, um, if your preferred pronouns are king and lord, come with that, you know, and I'll try to refer to you as king and lord if I if, if my sentence uh, requires it to. But I think, as you said, because that can then easily become a sticking point that I don't think really needs to be, you know, it doesn't need to be that I'm intentionally disregarding your request that I yeah. refer to you a certain way out of principle because then it's just as you said it's not loving and it's me trying to prove a point Pride, and I yeah. think my greater point should always be Christ mm. and so I, I think that becomes a, a battle I choose to not fight or I, I would choose to not fight um with the intent of directing my energies towards just showing you Christ and yeah. letting him deal with whatever preferred pronoun you, you really want to use. So it's a good, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm happy with that answer. Can, can I add in my two cents? Yeah, go through. So I think the more I learn about this whole movement and stuff, the more I realise that it, it is, it's an identity issue. Mm. And um, I don't think that any Christian can, Christians can, can, can help other Christians with identity issues, but it's only God that can solve an identity issue. Yes. Mm. Um, so I think that as Christians, we should provide that space and like signpost people to God to allow him to work out that issue of identity with the person. Mm. Mm. Um, yeah, because that's what that's what will result in a complete transformation, as opposed to them feeling that they should no longer have these pronouns because it's not the Christian thing to do, mm. as opposed to doing it because it's come as a result of this new relationship that they have with God and they've seen that that they've come to understand what their identity is in God mm. um, so it's better for them to be in church than than not to be in church mm. and if that means calling them by their pronouns their preferred pronouns their preferred pronouns then cool because I think it's weird if if you'd find it difficult to call someone by their preferred pronouns but you would still be okay with calling the guy Sharon or something because mm. it's still mm. in that same camp, you know. Yeah. It's still their transgender identity that you're referring to them by. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so it's either you do it or don't, but don't mm. half do it and say, "Oh, I'm not going to do it because mm -hmm. you're doing it." <laughs> yeah. I remember when I was working as a, and this was years ago. This was before the movement really gained traction. But I was working as a waiter, uh, college days, and there was a there was a like a Christmas party. And by all indications, it looked like a woman. And I was taking her order. <laughs> oh, you know, you ask if they want, you know, the, the different types of Christmas things, you know, turkey or whatever the other one is. And then I was like, oh, sorry, excuse me, uh, excuse me, miss. And then 
the first the first one obviously had I don't know if they were just being drag or whatever, but they had the the bassiest voice. <laughs> And I got caught by surprise. I was like, oh, sorry, sir. I mean, miss. I mean, sorry. But like, <laughs> it's confusing. I didn't know what to do. Let's say, sorry, boss. <laughs> sorry. sorry, boss lady. Like, but yeah. Nah. Cool. Nah, I'm, I'm happy with that. And, I, and yeah, yeah, I think, as you said, Robert, don't half do it if you're going to call them by whatever name they've chosen. Mm. Elliot or Ellen, point. you know. So, um, so yeah, cool. That's a good point. Cool. That's helpful to me. I got a question for you, Peter. Shoot away. So, not everyone gets to have um, a supernatural encounter with God. Mm. Um, so, what advice would you give to someone who doesn't know whether they've had oh, yeah? What advice would you give to someone who doesn't know whether or not they have encountered God? who doesn't know whether or not they've encountered God. Yes. Is that like assurance of salvation or like... What? So in terms of... So like people like Paul, he mm-hmm. knows he encountered God because mm-hmm. he went blind. He, he had to go through that whole thing mm-hmm. to um, when, 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 when Jesus met him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But like, but, but like not, not, not everyone gets that... Damascus Road experience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I, I immediately, as you said, I go to the fact that faith, which is really, I guess, the um, faith is sort of the not currency. Yeah, yeah, it's the currency of of Christianity. Get, I guess, uh, but it's also what's required for that journey um, mm. and for walking with God. Doesn't necessarily faith doesn't come by miraculous encounter. Faith comes by hearing. You know, maybe a better question is. Mm. In a world where miraculous encounters can happen, yeah, how do you encourage someone who is maybe doubting their Christianity because mm. they never had such miraculous encounters? Again, I would say you don't measure it by that. So I'm thinking mm. of the guy that met Paul. Um, what's his name? Akila. Um... The, it's the Ethiopian guy. I think it was Ethiopian. Um, and I think it was just he was walking with Paul and they were talking and he came to faith and was like, you know what prevents me from getting baptized oh philip and uh the ethiopian yeah yeah Yeah. it wasn't it wasn't a particularly miraculous thing Mm. it was hearing it was talking and it was um and receiving the word and believing it and so i'd say to anyone that's struggling with that not to measure their encounter or their faith by that measure by Mm -hmm. how miraculous it is that said I would challenge them to to have faith for it, to have faith for the miraculous, and 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 to to believe the miraculous because that's what we see demonstrated in the words. Um, the guy that was on the cross with Jesus didn't see anything miraculous. He saw another man being crucified with him, essentially. Except he recognized that was an innocent man, and he recognized that okay this this guy hasn't done anything and is here with us but the other guy that's there he's done something and and you know he he deserves to be crucified and identified and recognized christ for who he was when the other didn't so both of them i imagine had the same exposure to christ one recognized and one didn't um that miraculous thing isn't 
it isn't the hallmark of what a true encounter is. You know, the, the people of Israel, again, also expected to see, you know, the thunder and the lightning and God spoke in a, in a small whisper. So sometimes it's not, it's not what we consider to be the miraculous that, um, that brings our encounter or that brings what we need. Sometimes it's the simple, sometimes it's the, sometimes it's quite literally the, the thing that we're ready to reject. You know, that's, that's what Christ did with the fishermen. So it's, I, I, I'd say don't measure your encounter with that. If, you, if you've heard the word of God and believed it in your heart and confessed it in your mouth, that's, that's the requirement. That's what dictates receiving Christ. Amen. Then go on to believe the miraculous because it's very much possible. Um, but don't, I, I'd say don't doubt because you haven't, or you didn't have that experience because that experience isn't prerequisite to truly being saved. But having been saved and believing and reading the word and, you know, having a devotional life, then go on to trust that the miraculous can happen as, as we were challenged to today in church. Um, you know the, the preacher was very much about that very much about mm. living out the way the bible describes the church to live out yeah um, which is miraculously which is by faith um which is extreme um but i think it builds up to that and it doesn't have to start there it certainly doesn't have to start there so yeah cool that's, that's yeah sounds good anything you want to add um no, I think Peter said it all. That faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Yeah. And then the experiences will come because I think a lot of people that I know that have had those particular encounters are people that had a kind of faith before. Like, so it wasn't those things that caused them to have faith or they were searching. Like there was, there was like a bud of flame and that encounter fanned it or but I don't think for example the the Pharisees no sign could make mm. them believe mm. yeah no yeah. sign could make them believe yeah um yeah. yeah yeah and I think God builds up to it but sometimes you 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 think you want that big miraculous thing and that could be the thing that breaks you mm. you know or, or you could go searching for this angel and that angel and actually that's a demon leading you away you mm -hmm. know so we, we very much need to 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 be aware that god builds people up to it gideon's first task was taking down his father's idols you know yeah. and out of fear and somewhat a lack of faith he did it under the cover of night because that yeah. was safer to do but he still did it and yeah. that was a building block you know and then you know we we end up with him taking 300 to gunfight against thousands and coming out victorious mm. you know there's there's a building up to that you know um that i don't think should be ignored mm. yeah. cool it's good and with that, do you have a question for any of us? No. Cool. All right. Well, let's get into the topic for today. 
Um, yeah, I think this is a topic that Andrew and I have been talking on and on about, on and off about, mm. like recently. And it's um, around the idea of life and, you know, giving birth and what is the meaning of life and all these kind of things. Mm. And Andrew asked me a question the other day. And I want to ask you the question today, Peter, and see what your thoughts are on it. And then we'll go from there. Interesting. So, Peter, why did you want to give birth to children? I I, I didn't give birth to children. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or why do you want to bring children into the world? Mm. You know, it's a really, really hard question. It's and I know because I've thought about it. Um and uh, I, I don't think I have a good answer because uh, it's not like <laughs> it's not like I'm doing something so important that I need someone to carry it on. <laughs> 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 carry on my legacy. Um, Do you think that for a question like this, there, there is a good answer? I think there was a time where there was, you know, like, I, I don't know when we were hunter-gatherers or, or when we were very nomadic or when we lived you know as a very nomadic people there was need for the youth there was need for procreation to carry on you know to have people to till the ground to have people to carry on what our society required to to to, to sort of move forward um so so I think there was a time when it had an easier answer now I, I I really I really don't know. Apart from that, you know, it's it's something that we're called to. We're called to multiply, um, and, and that's not the only reason. But that's definitely something that I guess ends up being in the pros column. If I'm to make a pros mm. and cons list, is okay. we're called to multiply. We're we're married. We're in a good position to bring in someone into this world that by God's grace, we can both influence and that can potentially, hopefully become a, a good member of society, become someone that will give God glory. Um, mm. There's that. There's also this, uh, at least idea in my head that we are also being a um we're being a vessel to give another of God's ideas life. Cause I think we're all God's mm. ideas and we're all, he describes us as his poems and, and his works of art. Um, and so we're providing a place for another of God's poems and works of art to come into this world. And as I said, you know, hopefully change it or hopefully um, influence it at the very least by bringing glory to God. Um, so there's all of those things uh, I, I can't think of a good sort of concise answer as to why I feel my DNA needs to carry on in this world um, honestly but there are all these sort of satellites I think reasons why it makes sense in my head that makes sense Can Andrea hmm? why do you want to be a mother why do you want to have babies um, Apart from the glow 
of pregnancy. <laughs> Do you know what? I've been thinking about this question. I have been. And just as Bobby said, we've been talking about it. Well, I asked him, like, why do people think it's important to have children? Why do you want to have children? Didn't know. Why do I want oh, to have children? I just said didn't know. I, I gave you an answer. Did you? Yeah. But it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't straight away. So you have to think about it. And you did say, oh, oh, that's that's a interesting question. Then you gave me an answer, but you had to think about it. Yeah, because it's not, it's not something that I have in the forefront of my mind all the time. It should be. I don't know. Oh. Announcement? <laughs> no. <laughs> but um, I definitely want to hear Robert's answer as well. But yeah, no, Jam, I'm curious to hear yours. For me, so I feel like I want to have children because it's an extension of us. But then I went into thinking, okay, what about us that do we want to extend? And why do we mm. think it's necessary to extend us? Like, who are we? What are we to extend? And I don't know, I just it just went from one question to the other to the other. Because yeah. before it was selfish reasons, like, oh, because I just want to know what it feels like to be a mom, or <laughs> you know, I just want to give someone love that even though I received love when I was growing up, but so I want to give that to somebody, mm. and I want to feel the unconditional love that people say they feel when they have children. So I want to feel that. So it was a lot of me, 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 I, mm. I, I. But then like getting married to Robert, he makes me want to have children because I love him so much. I'm like, dang, I'm going to give you all your babies mm. because if I can get copies of you mm. and love them, then I believe my love for you will even just be a lot higher than it is now. But again, that goes down to me. It's selfish. I don't know if I if I trust that that train of thought. <laughs> it's it, but who says there's a correct train of thought? I'm saying that I don't I don't look forward to because you're loving them, that means you love me more. Because I feel like when the babies come, <laughs> that's when the hate between the parents. <laughs> That that's yeah, definitely but... that's definitely a thing that happens. Babies come <laughs> suddenly. Mom's no longer a wife; she's just mom. Mm. No deal. Suddenly, husband's no longer a husband; he's just dad. He's just <laughs> I work with the time. <laughs> bill payer. Yeah. So it definitely is something that can happen. How can that be avoided? Intentionality, being prepared for it, being intentional about it. I think. Have, and having a nanny. No, not even having a nanny. Just because that's expensive. Ah, sweet, I guess expensive. Childcare is expensive. Um, but I think it's you have to be intentional. You have to decide. I'm not just going to be a, a mum because that's also a bad example for the kid. Mm. You know, it's a bad example for a kid to see um, a mother with no sort of agency of their own other than providing for the child because as a child you don't recognize that you don't recognize all the provision because that's just normal that's your responsibility you're fulfilling your responsibility but outside of that responsibility if the kid can't see anything else no ambition no creativity mm. nothing else is a bad example to set for for a kid i agree yeah but yeah um i think for myself 
I think two things come to mind. Firstly, and I think mostly, is the idea that having a child is almost a conclusion to the whole Andrew and I becoming one. Mm. So we get married, we become one, and this is the product product of our oneness. Mm. Um, Not to say that everyone who has married has to have children, Mm. but for me, that is the not the completion but the almost like the completion the completion the resultation of our love mm. that's cute yeah <laughs> and secondly i just want to raise children <laughs> and i think for me that is enough <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think this. I think questions like why, why do you want to have kids? Why do you want to get married? There is never a good. There, there'll never be a good or good enough answer for that question. Mm. Oh, I'll be. I'll be curious to hear. Uh, it'll be nice to hear a lot of people's answers, especially kids, people that have lots of kids. It'll be really interesting to hear that. Yeah, answers. like why do you want to? Like, I originally wanted to have seven children. Seven seven and if I could have more I absolutely would and I just loved the idea of having many mini me's and just a large family um, where they can all trust each other and have each other like my family is really big my mom wanted a really big family she wanted to have more than three children um and it's just always been our family to want many children mm. and i don't lie if i had all the resources i would have as many as possible mm. but just because i love having people around mm. and i love that they will have many around as well yeah it sounds like you have loneliness and abandonment issues. I have no loneliness and abandonment issues. I think we need to talk to God about some things. Mm, not at all, my dear. But I just, I just love big families. I grew up in yeah. a really big family. It's just interesting because you say there's loneliness and abandonment issues. What about someone like me that prefers not having people around? <laughs> like I prefer being alone. <laughs> and, and being then you're just <laughs> cutting off your nose to spite your face. That's what. That's what you. How so? Because if you want loneliness, but you're doing something to stop yourself having the loneliness. No, no, no. As in, like, if, if, no, I'll, not, not, not out of, not, not regard, not related to the question. I was just saying, if someone who wants people around has abandonment issues, how about someone who doesn't want people around? Oh. What issues do they have? You have, you were overloved. I was overloved. <laughs> <laughs> you had too many people around you. Cool. All right. So there was a question about birth. And then I think a question that was, I guess you could say, births from that <laughs> was this idea or, or this idea that, you know, no one who was ever born gets a say to whether they were born, what kind of life they lived. Mm. You know, you're mm. born and now it's like your life. Mm. With that being the case, why is it then? wrong for people to commit suicide if they never had a say in whether they were alive in the first place 
Can, can you say the question again? Because I think I understand it, but just in case. Okay, so none of us got a say in whether we were... None of us were given the option mm. to choose whether we wanted to be alive or not. Mm. To be born. To be, to born. be born. Right. With that being said, if we never got the choice as to whether or not we wanted to be alive, mm. why is it then bad for people to commit suicide, suicide and take the life that they didn't ask for in the first place? Mm. Right. Just a disclaimer, this is not to say that you should go and commit suicide if you're feeling suicide, those, those people that are listening. Mm. This is not say going to oh yeah, yeah yeah i'm saying commit suicide <laughs> um yeah no no that's not what you're saying it's an interesting question so my, my initial thoughts go immediately to the potter and the sort of pot um and the idea that how can you you can't i'm, I'm wondering how to phrase this but it's quite literally i think the fact that your your existence, your life, isn't really just yours. It's something you're stewarding. You haven't asked to steward to, to be a steward, but the person you haven't asked to be a steward of this life. But the thing or the person that gives you the ability to ask that question is who you'd be asking if you were to ask the question which is a really cyclical way of saying it and I don't <laughs> think it makes sense other than it's like oh, how do I say I guess the crude way of saying it is you don't get a choice in whether or not you should be born because there is no choice for you it's God who's already decided who has decided that you will exist and you can't debate that person you can't debate god on whether or not you should exist because the very person who gives you the ability to debate is who you're going to debate you're debating the very person that gives you the ability to debate it's like c.s lewis puts it like this it's like cutting off the branch you're sitting on that mm. there's no you have no grounds to do it if i'm just trying to reason against you and you are the one that gives me the ability to reason against you if that to reason in general mm. do, do you see what i'm saying that there's yeah. no it suddenly becomes you have no grounds to stand on and so because of that because you are just stewarding a life you can't then decide to throw it away because the person that gave you that life can decide and will hold us accountable for the life that we've had wow. so it's yeah it's i i think it just comes down to a recognition of who God is and who we are in, in, in relation to him. And it's not, you have life, but you really don't have any pride. You shouldn't have any pride of having that life to then say, mm. you know, I, why should I be alive? It's not your question to ask. Your question to ask is how should I deal with this life? And I think almost there's a there's an element of the person, the, the parable of the talents there with a guy that had the one talent who should have just gone to put it in the bank. And it's like, well, if you live and you're not going to do anything with your life, I guess you should just do the bare minimum that God requires of us um, outside of, you know, the person that tra did, you know, one back five and one back two and, and stuff. Instead of just burying it in the ground and, 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 and you know, 
doing what that servant did. So I, I that that's how I think about it. It just comes down to who who are you and who is God that mm. you are, you know, sort of thing. Yeah. So what does the bare minimum for a Christian look like? So like so this is the thing, it's not even a Christian because a, a Christian is just someone that has ex, not accepted but has yeah accepted God's way of making putting you in right standing with him all of humanity are accountable to him so, oh yeah yeah, so yeah but yeah but I'm talking like with, with, with your example of mm. you know, the guy the, the servant with the one talent just putting the yeah. bank what does just putting your one talent in the so, bank look like as a Christian becoming a Christian <laughs> that's the bare minimum <laughs> no that's the bare minimum and so in that you know in that last day your works will be tried as though by fire and some will their works will get burnt up but they would have made it just as just though barely. by fire just barely and mm. i think that's the bare minimum the bare minimum is accepting christ's sacrifice because that then now puts you in right standing that's the bare minimum is you are saved because all of humanity had fallen short of god's glory mm-hmm. all of us we'd all sinned and fallen short and thus the bare minimum is accepting christ Mm. that's the one talent person kind of because no he he had what he what was taken so that's the 1.5 person yeah <laughs> that's the bare minimum you know um yeah what do you think babe about your question or the one prior to that that that, that, that was also my question yeah <laughs> i mean sorry i should have said your last question <laughs> your last question or the one prior to that uh, both of them um so 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 first the um suicide not suicide but the right to suicide mm. for the life that you didn't get to choose it's deep you know because because we were talking about this yeah wasn't we and if you don't know god you think it's unfair <laughs> okay like even Job was cursing the day he was born. Mm. Like God, I didn't ask for this. Yeah. Then if we're seeing the beauty of the day and all of those things there, we'd be like, oh, I'm so glad I'm alive. Like I, um, I had a season in my life that was really dark and all I wanted to do was be dead. And then later on, you know, things were just looking up. I was like, oh, I'm so glad I didn't die. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's life has its ebbs and flows. And then to take it away just because you decided just to take your own life away, just because you didn't choose to be alive and, and things are tough. So there's no point is risky business, risky business, not only because you'll have to give an account um for the life that you cut short but you miss out on so much Mm. you miss out on so much I think anyone that to be honest anyone that goes all the way is because they just wanted to escape from that pain and they just couldn't see a future there was no hope yeah no hope um and I think even with the question in itself it's almost like a hopeless question. Mm. Like, uh, if, if I didn't choose to be alive, if I didn't choose to be born, then surely I can choose to die. 
Um, and it's it's not true because I love what you said about the potter and the clay. Mm. But I'm sorry, if I made in, inventions, okay, I made this one pink, this one blue, this one green. And if they had the free will and every time I made them, they destroyed themselves, I'll be vexed. <laughs> 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 like they just folded into themselves you know it just stopped working i wouldn't i wouldn't be i wouldn't be sad because they don't appreciate the beauty of their color or their shape or their function mm. um so i think anyone that has that kind of thinking should draw near to people that can help them understand their purpose and function Mm. Um, yeah and what is the bare minimum for a Christian or what's the bare minimum for a person I love that you said it's to be saved but Mm. then more comes with that I feel oh I've got a question I I, I need to make sure I don't forget it but okay say say it and then no no no, because I I just want to say my two cents on this as well um I think that with this question this is a question that um is a life it's a question that takes a, a lifetime to answer mm. and if you cut your time short before you figured out the answer you're doing yourself a disservice mm. Mm. you know like i don't think there's a like there's there's a one-size-fits-all answer in terms of what you said peter but i think for every individual person there is a reason there's an individual reason why they shouldn't take their lives prematurely. Yes, that's good. It, there's an interesting thing as well. Just just as you, you guys are talking, that comes to mind. And, and Robert, don't forget your question. But it just occurred to me that nothing, like literally nothing created, ever participates in the choice for its creation. Because it, it didn't exist. All. It didn't yeah. exist. So yeah. nothing. And I think it then goes to show the sophistication of what God has created with humanity. Mm. And we are able to conceptualize a question like that because nothing else can, like nothing else has free will to ask that question. So good. So again, that just goes to speak to the, to the incredible nature of our creator. But yeah, so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I want, the question I want to ask is, what's the difference, if any, between a bare minimum Christian and a lukewarm Christian? The lukewarm Christian gets spat out. The bare minimum just makes it by... No, by so, 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 so I'm literally quote, just quoting this. I'll never, never give him my opinion. I'm just quoting the Bible. In terms of like how they actually live their, their life out in the physical... How can, you, how can you tell the difference between a lukewarm Christian and a, and a bare minimum Christian? What are the characteristics of a lukewarm Christian? Uh, what's the same revelation? It was, is then neither hot nor cold. Hmm. Yeah, but what are the characteristics of being cold? What are the characteristics of being hot? Well, I guess being hot means you are like on fire. Where does it say that in scripture? <laughs> I mean, to, to be hot is to be on fire. <laughs> I know, but where so on fire for God, what does that because that's a term that I feel like we've coined up, but then it can be, um, what's the word? Maybe it came implied from, from maybe, all the fire references. Yeah, or I think it's implied from the Pentecost. Even before that. Yeah. 
But yeah. I think that's where I would pinpoint people being on fire. Mm. Especially because it's post-crucifixion. Um, yeah, so I think that's where I would pinpoint where... And then a cold is like... A Pharisee. <laughs> Can you be a cold Christian? I feel like being a cold Christian is like something like a, an, an oxymoron. I mean, if it exists. So I'm just going to Revelations 3.16, which is where yeah. this comes. And I was in the letter to uh, Laodicea, to the church in Laodicea. Um, and it's interesting because what he describes, it was like, you know, and, and because we're going through, um, because we're going through Revelation in our Bible study at church, I actually can, you can see there's a structure to it. And this is the things that God is then straight away calling them out on Christ upon Isaac. You are neither cold nor hot. With that, you were either cold or hot. So they can be called Christians and they can be mm-hmm. hot Christians. And God would rather you were one of those than lukewarm. But it says, um, because you are lukewarm, I'll spit you out. You say you are rich, you have prospered and you need nothing without realizing that you're actually wretched, pitiable, poor, blind and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich and white garments so that you may clothe yourselves and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen and salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. So it's interesting because it seems like the lukewarm person is someone who for whatever reason, can literally say, can can believe that they are rich. So probably they're missing the point about something. If I'm mm. able to say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing. And yet the truth is, I am wretched and pitiable and poor. Then I think lukewarm is someone who's missing the point severely to the extent yeah. that it's, it's now living out in their reality. And, and they literally missed the point. So it's, yeah. I'm just so like saying, trying to figure it out from the way, but that's what I think is these guys have desperately missed the point. Saying that, then there may be a hot Christian is someone who knows all the stuff that they lack but are joyous about it, but then the cold Christian is someone who knows all the things that they lack and then they despair about it. Like despair, it's, it's uh, despair, um, despair in terms of like you know when. Who was it that saw the angel and then they put the call on the lips? That was John. No. That was John again. I think. Was it John? No, no. Yeah, yeah. Was it John, John the Revelator now? Who saw the angel and they touched him with the call? He touched his tongue, touched his lips. So it was John, I think. Reminds me of Isaiah as well. I think, I, I, oh, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I was thinking about Isaiah. Okay, but, yeah. But, but yeah. Well, yeah, that's, that's one. Do you know what? And what also came to mind regarding just being able to identify the the lukewarm, um, it's I think a, the scripture that came to mind was the one in James, where he said that um, almost deceiving yourselves. So reading the word, but then not doing what it says in it. Mm. You're, you're deceiving yourself so a lukewarm person could be a person that is deceiving themselves because what you read in revelation how they said they're rich and this and this and this like 
lukewarm Christians can go to every convention, jump and scream and shout every song, but then not be true to themselves and to God with mm. the depravity of their soul or the, the poverty of their soul it says the poor in spirit will inherit the kingdom of God. And I think there's a certain level of humility that comes with being super on fire for mm. God. Like, um, but again, I'm, pro I'm processing my thoughts because I think it'll be really good to know what the Bible says a lukewarm Christian is. Because yeah. I feel growing up um, Christian, lukewarmness has been um, defined by church leaders and people in church mm, what they mm. think lukewarmness is yeah. um, and their thing is if you're not praying in tongues or if you're not waking up at five or if you're not evangelizing or if you're not this you're not that then you're lukewarm mm. or if you have one foot in the world and one foot in church then you're lukewarm but how does um, I'm interested to know on how does scripture define lukewarmness? Yeah. How does it define hotness? How does it define coldness? Do you think it should be lukewarmness or lukewarm? <laughs> Maybe lukewarm, <laughs> but <isn't it>? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't think lukewarm. I think lukewarmness. Because lukewarm is like a I don't know, lukewarm. Yeah, because like you say, for, for warm, you can feel the warmth of something. You, you don't say the warmness. You say, I, I felt the warmth of this touch. Yeah, you, that you felt, but Luke, I don't know, to be lukewarm is like a person. It's, it's, like, a, it's like a thing. I don't know. I felt his lukewarm. Or he is lukewarm. <laughs> oh, he's, he, he's lukewarm, but I felt his lukewarm. I felt he was lukewarm. No. No, it's not. No, I felt I felt he was lukewarm. I felt his I felt his lukewarm. But you don't feel anybody's lukewarm. It's something you don't feel someone's lukewarm. Yeah, I don't even I don't even think us as people should be judging whether someone's lukewarm or not. No, well 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 Robert's concerned with the grammar of the whole thing. Yeah. No, maybe not judging, but like when will you ever have to say that? Now. If you can see someone that's been lukewarm and, you, and, and, and you're trying to warn them against it. Okay, so what do you have to see to identify that it's lukewarm? They are lukewarm. I don't know if I can say well, that without being a Pharisee, to be honest. Well, so so Mo, Mo suggested that for certain, so sometimes we could do, some person can come and do like a, a, not a preach, but like do a whole talk on it. I think we let Mo do a talk on what a lukewarm Christian looks like or what, what it means to be lukewarm. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And whether it's lukewarmness or lukewarm. Or lukewarm. Yes. Bonus, lukewarm. bonus question. Or lukewarmity. Okay. But yeah, um, final question. Um, how does a Christian go about find, finding out what their God given meaning of life is? Like their purpose. Yeah. I, I think I always will go, I always go back to this thing first is find out how God speaks to you. And the way you find out how God speaks to you is 
trial and error and testing mm. by the word. Um, and so you you start to see a pattern of, okay, I felt this particular conviction in my heart. And over time, I've seen it be consistently when I feel this, it's God. And it normally is in line with the word. Um, and so there's elements to it. It's not, I don't think, a straightforward ABC thing. I think it's a grow into thing. Mm. the more you read your word I believe the more you're able to identify God's voice because you know what he's going to say having read his word if the Bible is the word of God and I believe it is the more you are able to identify God's voice the more you're able to sort of hear see feel his leading um, in various things Um, and that again comes with with uh with, with with trial and error so I felt like this is what God wanted for me and I did it but it didn't really turn out I'm able to reflect and say well I kind of wanted that anyway it wasn't mm. really God um but this particular thing consistently seems like it is God and when I was talking about Gideon same thing you see with Abraham God I think builds us up in faith and sort of tests us at the level at which we are like an anime character, he never faces a villain that's too much for him that will kill him. He's always facing the right villain for wherever his story arc has got him at that mm. time. Mm-hmm. So I think God does the same with us and will build you up to hear his voice and to see his uh to, to, to see his leading. And there I think he's able to lead you into your 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 purpose or help you recognize maybe you're already in your purpose and help you recognize that actually this is where you need to be or otherwise. But I think there's a level of maturity that needs to already be established before you can then say that, if that makes sense. That makes sense. Cool. So that, that's how yeah. I think about it. Anyway. Sounds good. Anything for you, Miss Andrea? Um I think you'll find it in the presence of God yeah, and in the word of God. Mm-hmm. You'll find it in the presence of God and in the word of God. Because one thing is, when you spend time with God, he fills you up with desires mm. and then empowers you to pursue them. Um, and then by faith, you do them. And then you go back to the presence of God because what can happen is a person can be in the presence of God and then he lead them to do something. And then they're so busy doing that thing that they are not in the presence of God as much as they should be. Mm. And then they can be discouraged by the results of the thing that they feel God told them to do. Mm. But if they had continued to keep going into the presence, he would have told them that this is the result that is going to happen Mm. Or if this result happens, I need you not to be discouraged or dismayed, mm. so on and so forth. So I think a person can discover their purpose in the presence of God. And it's not a destination. It's definitely a journey because ultimately our purpose solely is to be transformed into the image of the Son of God. Mm. And then everything we do in life is to become that allow yield to God to become that and then encourage others to get on that journey as well mm-hmm. um yeah so there's a there's a saying I can't remember I don't know if it's C.S. Lewis 
or somebody and they were like um they're almost like their biggest purpose is to make him known or something like that mm. um know christ and make him known but i don't know if that's c.s lewis um but yeah the purpose is to know christ and to make him known mm. and then doing everything you can to do that mm-hmm. you know like, just as you were saying that just reminded me of you know the great commission you know mm. so we have a purpose as christians as a whole um what that looks like on an individual basis yeah. we just need to be sensitive to god to 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 show us it's good yeah. and and like even with the great commission there there are ways based on who we are as individuals that yes. we will live that out that's right so, 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 so like even if you're waiting for god to tell you to go here or to go there you know there's still stuff you can be doing mm. where you are yeah. at that time to be yeah it's, it's almost like having like an an objective which is the great commission and then sub objectives you know yeah there might be a time where you don't have any, any sub objectives but you can still be carrying out the main objective it's good um just just because something crop came to mind sort of on a a more i guess available uh level or an easier to uh to reach level is um as as drea said you know when you when you spend time in the presence of god you're filled with his desires and i think um especially for believers once you have or are invested in a devotional life i would also say those things you find natural to do that aren't sinful Mm. start pursuing those um that there's a uh someone i can't remember who said um or who quoted it but it was like oh let let chaos reign and then notice where order starts to come through to the reign in chaos and it's like the way I sort of apply that to this is start observing yourself. What are the things that you are naturally doing? What are the things you are naturally sort of inclined to? Um, and then those things, those aspects of those things that aren't sinful, um, that aren't fleshly. So, oh yeah, I'm naturally inclined to check out girls. Yeah, that's not what God is calling you to be <laughs> obvious. Um, but if you find um, naturally, like, I, I, you know, and and I guess with that, there comes exposure because you also want to try and expose yourself to as much as possible to see what it is that naturally draws you. But I'm like, oh, I saw a poet once and since then I can't stop thinking about poetry. I can't, I want to write and stuff like that. That might be somewhere God has caught you to um, and stuff like that. Yeah. Nice. Oh, well, I think that'd be a nice place to round up. Mm. Yeah, thank you for coming down, wife of mine. You're welcome, husband wife, of mine. Wife of my youth. You're welcome, husband of my youth. And of my old age too. And of my old age too. Amen. <laughs> um, shall we have hookups? Mm. Hookups. Not off the top of my head. All right, let me go first and maybe... Yeah. So I want to hook up a film that is on Netflix. It's called The Platform. Um, I think it's a Spanish film, actually. 
Um, it's El Hoyo. El Hoyo. Yeah, so it's about this prison in which it's like a tower and it's like 200 or so levels um, in the tower. And on each level, there's two prisoners. And every day, food gets, like a slab of food gets lowered down and down and down and down and down, stopping at each level. And that is the time that the inmates get to, to eat their food. And so obviously, when you're at the higher levels, there'll be more food to eat. But then as you're going down in the levels, less and less food will be there because people are eating it. So by the time you get to like maybe 100 or so, there's no more food. But to make it a bit fair, every month, um, everyone's positions in the tower get swapped. So one month, you might be in like position like floor seven. Next month, 152. So next to 33. Um, and crazy. It is crazy. Yeah, and, and the story is just um, following this guy who um, is, what's he doing? He's going... Well, he 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 volunteered to go into the platform so that he could get a diploma, <laughs> and we're just watching his story. Will he survive? Will he get his diploma? Will he be eaten out of hunger and necessity? Mm. Find out on the platform. <laughs> um, my hookup is an arts academy, mm. and it's called Akoma Asa. And it's a performing arts academy based in Stockwell. Um, And I went to one of their festivals yesterday where they were showcasing work that they've been working on this term. And it was brilliant. Yeah, I'll make sure Peter puts that in the description. But yeah, it's really good. Really, really good. Cool. Um, Peter is a bit indisposed at the minute. So we're just going to round up. Um, Shout out to Read for the Intro Outro Music. Cameron Turner for the Audrey Amazing Logo. Twitter at the Furnace UK, Instagram at TBS Furnace. You can email us at tbsfurnace.com. You can find us at soundcloud.com forward slash the Maxis Furnace. No apostrophe on all good podcasts and websites and apps. That's from Spiffin Apostrophe. And that's it. Oh, also, happy birthday to Jamelia. It'll be her birthday tomorrow. Happy birthday, Jamelia. Um, it'll actually be today if Peter puts it out tomorrow. <laughs> I'll let that mess with your mind for the a second. 18th. <laughs> okay. Anyway. But yeah, this is the Blacksmith's Furnace signing out. Blow.